Shalom from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to Conversations with Yael Podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each month, I will invite leading thought leaders, pastors, rabbis, and other influential guests to discuss the importance of Israel in the world today. For those familiar with my weekly podcast, Nourish Your Biblical Roots, which explores the Jewish roots of the Christian faith, this podcast takes that understanding and translates it into ongoing support for Israel among Christians and the critical need to nurture that support with the next generation of Christians. Join me now as we begin this important dialogue. Shalom, my friends. Today, I have the great honor of welcoming to the podcast a true friend of Israel, former member of the U.S. Congress and the current dean of Regent University's Robertson School of Government, the amazing, the awesome, the totally inspirational Michelle Bachman. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate your welcome. It's a thrill for me to be here today with you. Can I pray? Please pray. Father, I thank you so much for this moment. I thank you, God, that Yale and I are together with this first-class team to speak of your praise and your glory. Lord, we lift this up to you. We ask, Lord, that throughout this time together that we would be uplifting your name. And, Father, that for 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 your sake, for the sake of Israel, for the sake of the Jewish people, Lord, for the Holocaust survivors, I pray, oh God, that you would add your presence and your anointing You say in your word that you breathe. When you breathe, your life comes forward and you resurface the earth. So, Father, I pray that you would breathe the breath of life to give us wisdom and understanding, that we would know exactly, Lord, the direction to go, that not one false word would be uttered from our lips. I ask this now in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Thank you. Hmm. Okay. You can feel as soon as you pray, it's filled with a different spirit. His presence. Yeah. His presence. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much. As all of you know, Michelle has a tremendous love for Israel and a passion for nurturing that love in the next generation of Christians, something that is so important. She recently has partnered with the fellowship to support its mission of building bridges between Christians and Jews and providing Jewish people in need around the world with humanitarian aid. And so, my friend Michelle, I am so honored and humbled to be sitting here with you today. Oh, thank you. I've been looking forward to this so much, Yale. I, I appreciate it. I knew your father, loved your father. I was privileged to be able to worship at the synagogue while yes. he was there. And to be able to come and actually meet you in person mm-hmm. and to be a part of this program today, I'm excited because this program is a part of the solution. It is speaking into this next generation. We have the same ultimate goal. And so it's great to be able to talk together about that. Uh, there's so much in common, both in our spiritual life. Yes. But both on the micro and the macro. That's we right. have two faiths who worship one God who are connected mm-hmm. in so many of our values as far as family, as far as community, as far as the importance of prayer as we yes. just opened oh, with yes. your amazing prayer that yes. I felt God fill this room <laughs> um, and 
we're both mothers. You have five children. I have four children. And we both foster. You foster children. I foster dogs. Oh, wonderful. (laughs) We had 23 great foster children that lived in our home. And we're so grateful. So I am the old woman who lived in the shoe. I had 28 (laughs) great kids. So I'm grateful. And I'm sure your little puppies are just as darling as well. What a blessing. Yes, we, over the first corona closure, we said, okay, what can we do that will teach the children values and really fixing this world and will be some good entertainment for them when we can't leave our home? <laughs> and so we found out in Bethlehem there was a list of puppies that were going to be put to sleep. And so we reached out to the um, Animal Cruelty Society in Bethlehem, and we ended up getting all all through the first closure of six months Every time, four new puppies that we would then find homes for. So it was very fulfilling. Oh, how wonderful. And And cute. (laughs) Oh, and when you think of the joy that those little creatures brought so many people, it was a good work, Yale. But you get the award (laughs) for fostering real children of God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they were real humans, and i got to tell you, it was mutual. They benefited, but we benefited even more. I'm sure. I'm sure. So we're both deeply committed to family. We both have amazing husbands who (laughs) we are grateful for and and praising God for. And we are both deeply committed to our faith and both serve in leadership roles that can be very demanding. Mm -hmm. So my first question to you is how do you manage it all? Oh, goodness. Well, you know, thank you for asking me that question because I've had the occasion to have a lot of young women especially ask me that question. Yeah. How do you do it? You know, I want to be successful in my life. How can? Right. What's your recipe for success? What I tell young women and young men is you can have it all, but you can't have it all at once. Hmm. So remember each stage of life and live it well. Wow. A lot of life is deferring gratification. And a lot of life is completing that portion of your life well. There's a, there's a point in life where you've got to learn discipline. And there's a point in life where you have to put down roots. And there's a point in life when you're getting educated or you're building wealth by saving. So there's different points in life. And especially with children, that's really what the basis of my remark was with a lot of one, young women, is that when you have children— they really are your first priority. Yeah. It's a, it's important that you are intentional about raising them. It's not my place to say if they should stay home with their children or if they should be in the workforce. That's their decision, not mine. Right. But the one thing that every child needs is to have someone who's crazy about them oh, and yes. to know that someone is crazy about them and in, is intentional about them. And so to me, it isn't like you're checking a box off with right. having children. They're the main event yes. of life. They really are the main event because when all is said and done, as you know, that's the legacy with the children. And so that's one thing I would encourage younger people to remember, don't miss having children because this current generation is marrying later, if at all, and many are having fewer children or children not at all. That's not a judgment on my part, but it's to say, you know, it's so much fun to get married. It's so much fun to have a family. There's grief, yes, that goes with it, but when all is said and done, I'm in the back part of life. I'm not the beginning part. And I, looking back, I can just say to this, speaking into this next generation, this is a lot of gold in life. Right. And a lot of media has really 
rendered family life something negative, and it's not true. So I just want to encourage people to make that a priority. That's amazing because you have really been able to juggle, and you're young. <laughs> You've been able to be in uh, the family life, in public service. You've been able to keep up your worship and your faith within mm-hmm. everything that you've done. And what I hear you saying, Dean Bachman, is that wherever you went, you always were focused at where you are. Like when you were in the stage of having your kids and mm-hmm. being with family, every second that you spent with them, you were present and focused mm-hmm. on them. And then when you were called to a new task from God, you went there with a servant's heart while still keeping your eye on the prize, which is always coming back to your children and family. But it didn't keep you from fulfilling in your life what you felt God had in store for you. Well, it's it, I, I would say what you just said is tr- absolutely true. Mm. And it's because my husband and I made a decision early on about how we wanted to live our life. And because we made some good decisions early on, it, it required sacrifice right. through our life. But we knew ultimately what the goal would be. And I just want to affirm for people listening that it is really a good goal to yeah. keep that uppermost. And I didn't come out from a perfect background. I, I came from a very difficult childhood. My family was a broken family. My parents were divorced. My family actually went to below poverty wow. after the divorce. So wow. I didn't come out of perfect surroundings yeah. by any measure. But this is what I did find. When I was 16, that's when... I understood the reality of God. My parents took me to church when I was growing up, but I didn't understand about a personal relationship with God or that the Bible was really true and that what the Bible says was actually true. When I was 16, that happened to me, that I, I asked God to come into my life. He changed me completely. And so what I saw him do is redeem my life. Hmm. So for the rest of my life, he's been opening up the truths of his word to me and redeeming my life for his purposes. And that's what he does. He takes whatever our background is, he uses it for his glory if we just give it to him. It doesn't mean that everything's perfect or seamless, but if we give it to him, he applies wisdom, he applies understanding, and we have a future and hope. And so now, God's given us all these kids that, again, I didn't even like dolls when I was little. So I'm shocked that I had all these kids. But that's the humor of God, I would say. A hundred percent. And how he made parents. That the second your baby's born, suddenly there's nothing else in the world. Right. I also didn't like dolls. I can so relate to that. And so it sounds like faith. When you were 16 yes. and you oh. found God. It changed the whole course And of God my life. found you. That's right. That's <laughs> said, right. He Ooh, found I have a me. dwelling place there. I'm gonna I'm gonna dwell there and go around with her and change the yes. world through her. And it sounds like that really um that really set so many of your decisions in life. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've been an outstanding friend to Israel. And so could you tell me a little bit about your roots and your love for Israel? Did that happened when you were 16? Was it something you were raised with? Was mm-hmm. How did that happen that suddenly you realized, I have a love for Israel? Yeah. Well, I thank you for asking because um, I was fairly typical in that uh, my, my parents took me to church every Sunday. We went to Sunday school. And in Sunday school, we learned all the Bible stories. All the Bible stories were set in Israel. All the Bible stories were generally speaking about the Jewish people. And I took it on faith that everything that I was taught was true. And it was just my parents believed that the Bible was true. I believed that the Bible was true. It wasn't 
there was there was a little bit of a disconnect between my head and my heart, yes. you know, when I was growing up. Yes. But I did understand it was true. Then later on, uh, when I had an actual encounter with the living God and, and received his grace in my life, uh, then things changed where when I read the Bible, before when I read the Bible, I really couldn't understand it. Mm. Now it was like the Holy Spirit was dwelling in me. God was, was dwelling relevant. inside of me. Yeah, and it was relevant. Yeah. I could understand everything. And I joined a youth group in my uh, in my town called Young Life. And we had a leader named Gary Downing. And um, he proposed that this youth group uh, go to Israel. And to me, that was the most exotic. He could have yeah. said, let's go to Pluto. <laughs> and it would have been just about as real because this was in about 1973 during the Yom Kippur War. Wow. That's when this was proposed. And of course, our families were all, what? Go to Israel? <laughs> and of course, you know, we were young and said, yeah, it'd be great. Well, I had no money. You know, I was from a family that had no money. What what was I going to do? And as it turned around, I bought my first car for $325. And so I had insurance on it. Well, a kid in my neighborhood backed into my car and bashed it. So anyway, the insurance guy, adjuster, came around. He gave me a check for $600 for this bash in my car. Wow. And so it was $900 for us to go to Israel. So I had 600 I thought, whoa, I'm two-thirds of the way there. So I had to figure out a way to come up with the other 300 and did. And that got me there. And it was it changed the course of my life. 17 of us from Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, wow. went to Israel. And we went— you know, thinking this was going to be a great thing. We knew the Lord, right. but we really were just kids. And we went just to have a kind of a good time too. But it, Israel, as you know, in 1973, wasn't Israel yeah. in 2021. Yeah. It was a bit, it was, I would call it a third world country. Unpaved roads. Unpaved roads. Yeah. We were in like an old school bus with no shock absorbers. <laughs> and this was no, uh, this was no glamorous life. We lived in a kibbutz. We worked in a kibbutz called Kibbutz Beri in Beersheba. Uh-huh. And so we lived in the portion called the ghetto. And it was just shacks. There were no doors. There were no screens on any windows. Wow. It was just a flat bed, and we lived there. And our job was to pick weeds in a cotton field. So we would wake up at 3.30 in the morning and ride a flat bed out to a field. And I'd never seen this before, protect a girl from Minnesota. Right. We had IDF shoulders that had soldiers that had um, rifles over their shoulders. And they had to walk up and down the rows of the cotton field to check for mines before we went out and picked um, weeds. And it didn't really thwart us from going into the into the fields. We trusted the soldiers that they'd find any mines. It was more, we saw what a completely different world this was than right. every, anything we'd understood, that there are threats against these people. Yeah. They just gotten, gotten through an incredible war, the Yom Kippur War, and now they were looking for mines and this was the life these people were living. Right. So we saw ourselves to be there to be just a small little piece of trying to help bring about something positive wow. in this area. Wow. So our eyes were opening yes. and the Holy Spirit started to show and to reveal to us this great land. Wow. And it was really thrilling. You and I were speaking before we came into this studio about the two things that happen to every person who goes to Israel. And the first one is when you arrive in Israel, you say to yourself, I'm home. Yes. You, you don't even know why. Right. You just say, I'm home. 
And the second thing you realize when you're there is that the Bible is true. Yes. Everything that you ever thought or learned, you see the Bible is true. It's proved over and over. And it changed us. These little, you know, wet behind the ears, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, we were absolutely changed forever. And we all drew so much closer to each other, but primarily to the Lord. We just, our lives were changed by drawing closer to him. It's one of the most powerful experiences, Yale, of my life was going over there. And the fact that it wasn't glamorous, uh, it it actually was better. Yeah. That we were just experiencing what anyone else in Israel would be experiencing. And we saw it not from griping. Right. We saw it from gratefulness. A we life were of mission. A love of mission. Yeah. Thrilled. Right. And when we went back home, we had to take deworming pills, you yeah. know, when we left. Yeah. The thing that shocked me more than anything is you couldn't find an ice cube anywhere in Israel. Right. You know, we would go somewhere and say, oh, we'd like to have ice in our drink. You know, pampered Americans. Right, right. What? There's no There's ice, no ice in the Middle so, East. <laughs> yeah. So we just saw a completely different world. But our hearts were bound forever with the Jewish people, the land of Israel. And it wasn't hatred for Arabs or hate. It wasn't of any of that. It of was just our hearts were bound. We, we had this insatiable desire to know more, yeah. to know more about the people, more about the land, more about what the scripture Your say. spiritual homeland yes. as a Christian, that you were Absolutely. connecting to your roots. You were yes. connecting to it. There's so much in that story, Dean Bachman, that I am inspired by, both by we have the saying in Hebrew, hakol It's all for the best. Amen. And whenever something bad happens, you'll see people say, hakol It's all for the best. And, you know, your kid comes home and gets a bad grade or hakol It's all for the best. Your friend calls you. They lost their job. Hakol It's all for the best. You hear it everywhere in Israel. And that's how I think we continue to be happy, one of the happiest nations in the world, despite the oh, threats true. that we're it's living true. with. No people have ever been under more attack. Exactly. It is very happy. Yeah. Very optimistic. Right. I agree with you. Because and I think, it's the Lord. It's the spirit yes. of the Lord. When you have that spirit inside of you that you are aligned with his will, nothing can knock you down. But yeah. that's what you had, the beginning of your story of getting in a car crash that, you know, someone yeah. backed into your car. Oh, hakol It's all for the best. It I'll just the best. save the money and go to Israel. Yeah. And it's such a meaningful message. I think that's relevant, especially today to this generation, how sometimes by taking away those luxuries— we could find more meaning. We could find more worth. We can find more energy in things that you would think would exhaust you, going out yeah. into the fields and picking cotton. You come back filled with knowing you're doing holy work. And oh, that gives more energy than anything. You're exactly right because that was – I actually went – it was um, the day after I graduated from high school is the day that we left to go to Israel. And by the time the summer was finished, it had been very hard work, very difficult because, you yes. know, remember, we're in Beersheba it's in hot. July yes. and <laughs> August. <laughs> so by the time we were done, I was about to start college. I mean, it made me think – You know, I don't think I want to pick weeds in a cotton field for the rest of my life. I think I'm going to use this opportunity in college to do as well as I possibly can. So I had a motivation. But the other thing I wanted to add to that story, Yale, is I wanted to um, add thanks and appreciation for local pastors Mm. in pulpits. Because for local pastors, for Sunday school teachers— You you know, the work that they did to try and explain the Bible and explain the stories, 
because of what they did for me year after year, week after week, trying to explain the truths of the Bible, I just want to say thank you for something that was done in private where no one was giving them praise. That spoke into to minds a, a foundation that was built upon later in Israel yeah. when I could see the visuals. Now, if I didn't know anything about the Bible, right. if I had no background, it wouldn't have been so, a lot of the yeah, things wouldn't have aligned. meant as much. So uh-huh. that's why I want to thank local pastors. I want to thank local adults that will teach children what the Bible says. It's so crucial. And I want to encourage anyone, if God is speaking to them to be a pastor or to preach what the Bible says or to um, speak to children, to teach them the truths of the Word of God, please do it because that is sowing the best seed you possibly can into the next generation. And at Regent University, at Robertson School of Of Government, that's what we're trying to do to speak the truths of God's word about what does God say about yeah. governance? Yeah. What does he say about issues? Yeah. What does he say about, you can't understand foreign policy. Right. I, you That is Without absolutely the truth. You yeah. have to. Yeah. And I say that with all sincerity. I ran for president of the United States in 2012. Woo! I was just with our most recent Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo. We were, we're very good friends. We used yeah. to travel together and sit next to each other in the United States Congress. And there's one thing I know. You cannot be a leader at the level of the presidency or serving in the Senate or Congress or be a U.S. senator without understanding what the Bible says, because it is the finest book on international relations I have ever seen. And if people fail to understand the Bible, they will get foreign policy wrong every single time. Wow, really strong words and a lot of amazing wisdom. And it seems like it's more relevant today than ever, everything Mm -hmm. that you're saying. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things I was thinking about when you spoke about your pastor who would preach from the Bible and talk about Israel, what I see, and again, this is from the outside, so correct me if I'm wrong, but what it seems like is there are so many pastors who are scared to preach on topics like Israel because it's too controversial. And what I always say is if you're going to be a pastor, if you're going to be leading a church, stand up there and preach what you believe. Don't be scared because of politics. You'll attract more people if you start preaching what you believe. But it seems like pastors are scared to preach on Israel. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. It's almost, you know, as, as, as we're more connected, as social media is more available, I think you're right. I think people are concerned because they're worried that they'll be judged by a wider audience right. outside of their church. But what I try to speak to pastors and to people in congregations is we're not asking you to be political. We're asking you to be biblical. Yes. So would you, you know, preach what the Bible says about a topic or or preach the stories of the Bible? Preach that. That's being biblical. You can never, ever, ever go wrong if you are preaching the word of God. You cannot because it is timeless and it is true. Every word is God breathed. You can take it to the bank. I mean, there's no question. So I agree with you. I think the churches that grow are the churches that are preaching in conformity with the Word of God. There is joy in the Word of God. There is life in the Word of God. Stand on that. You can't go wrong. Will some people leave? Maybe. But you're going to attract 10 more for every who leaves. So don't worry about it because God is honored when we follow his paths. There's no question. I was just reading this morning. I was listening to... um, 
Proverbs this mm-hmm. morning. I love it. I was re- uh, especially the portions that focus on wisdom. So much focuses right. on wisdom, and that is the privilege of being a pastor. And what I don't understand with pastors who would say that they doubt God's word or they they don't necessarily believe it, well, then uh, if you can't believe in your product, why are you in that position? It doesn't make sense to me. But what I would say is uh, let take God's word and practice it. That is the best proof that there is. If you practice it, if you live it, if you objectively look at life through the lens of the Bible, you will see the greatest truth that there's ever been. So just God says, prove me, try me, test me. I'm I'm good. <laughs> God says, I'm not afraid. You know, just, you know, read my word, try it, and you'll see for yourself. And wow. I can say in my life, that's been true. Wow. So Dean Bachman, where does Israel come in for all of this? Why, why do, for those people listening who are either Christians who are confused or Jewish people who are interested, or why do Christians support Israel or why should they support Israel? Well, I would say it's, again, it's if you have a love for the Bible and if you believe the Bible, especially the books written by Moses, the first books, and then all the prophets then support everything that Moses wrote, you see that obviously God himself is the main character of the Bible. But the second character of the Bible is Israel. Mm. Because why is that? It's because God created man for himself, and I mean mankind, men and women. He created us for himself, for his glory, but then man sinned. So all of the Bible is God's redemptive work Mm -hmm. to bring man back into relationship with himself. How does he do that? He did it by choosing an individual who was a sinner, just like you and me. His name was Abram. And God spoke to that man supernaturally and said, of you, I'll make a great nation. I'm going to take you to a very specific land that ultimately became Israel for a very specific purpose, to bless every single nation of the world. That's nations that know God, nations that don't know God. He wants to bless every nation through Abram, through Abraham's descendants, through that he brings about his covenant, his covenant that God alone pays for. He pays his redemptive price that all of mankind comes back, but he does it through the Jewish people, which are the descendants of Abraham. And so we are called to bless Israel Genesis and then will be blessed. Uh-huh. Yeah, Genesis 12, 3. But it's, it isn't just that verse. It is right. all through Genesis, the covenant is republished again and again. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and on and on, it's republished. He has a way. And when we follow God's way, that's where the blessings come. That's what I saw in my own life. And this summer, uh, I started again. My favorite book is Genesis, and I started again. And I am just so in love with the book of Genesis, how much God pursues us with his unfailing love. His plan is there for all of mankind, men, women, every person all in all of earth. And I've just now was reading Ezra, the book ah, of Ezra. Uh-huh. I just, I am so enthralled. <laughs> I, I am, I have to say to you, Yale, and I know I'm probably talking too much, but I am oh, I'm so, soaking up every word. <laughs> well, I am so amazed at God's love for us. Mm, I, my former view of God, probably colored by my own life, is an austere, mm-hmm. j- just God, somewhat remote. Mm-hmm. But it, it about 
eight months ago, I was rereading Psalms 23, and buried in Psalms 23 is that God pursues us with his unfailing love. Right. And you just think of that. It isn't right. me. He pursues us. Right. Not just me, not just you, everyone. He pursues us with his unfailing love. Just think about that. Right. He pursues us all the time. Right. And it also says in Psalms 23 that our cup overfloweth with goodness, with mm. blessing. Kosi revaya, as you, you say just in think Hebrew. about that. Yeah. That's his plan for you right, and right, me and right. Israel and all of us and all nations. Right. He only wants good for us, but he has his ways. Right. So that's why I want to encourage every person, go to the Bible, read the Bible, look at this love letter. You can never, ever, ever get beyond his love for you. Right. So it's it's the most beautiful, beautiful. story, but it's through Israel. I love the blessings it. come through wow. Israel. Wow. As you're talking, I'm thinking of another verse that says, Anenu biyom korenu. I will answer you the second you call. Yes, so I love that. I'm, I'm envisioning God like chasing us, waiting for us to call out to him. Because the second yeah. we just turn around and call out, he's there for us. He's just waiting. Is that in Daniel? Yeah. Is that the scripture and in Daniel? Ukraine, he said, it repeats it a few times. Yes. And it's and he says, I think there's maybe six times in the Bible and in Psalms and in the books of the prophets that they encourage us to call out to God because God is saying, I am here waiting. When you call out to me, I will I will answer you. And then we call out, Ana Hashem Hoshiana, please Lord redeem us, right? Yeah. We have from Egypt the Israelites calling out, please God save us, please God redeem us. And in one second, the earth, the sea splits and all these miracles happen and the ten plagues. And God is saying, I, it's not normal that people of faith should have enemies. It's not normal that everyone yes. hates Israel. And and I believe that the second we call out to God, yes. I'm here to answer when you call because he is chasing after us, yes. pursuing us, waiting to bless us that our cup is overflowing with blessings. That's right. And I always say that to my children. I say, don't think you were born into reality. And it's normal that we only know the reality that we've seen in our lives. And so I think in 1948 and 1973 yeah. and 1967, all yeah. the different wars that Israel that Israel fought when war was waged on Israel and no one thought that Israel was going to win, as you as oh, you never, well know. Oh, never, because it was Bachman. always impossible odds. It, it was Every impossible. Every single time, they were slated to lose. Exactly. A hundred yeah. million enemies yeah. against three million right. Holocaust survivors right. without weapons. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. But the odds sense. were actually um, worse than that. It was, it was all of those enemies of Israel, but they were coming against a holy God. Yes. And so they absolutely were going to be defeated exactly. because he says over and over, it's his his it's his holy holy right arm yes. that protects his people and his land. Yes. And we've seen it over and over again, his miraculous power. Exactly. And the verse that you reference from Daniel, he was in captivity yes. in Babylon when he uttered that prayer. And it said in the scripture that, that like you said, Yale, that, that prayer was answered before it ever left his lips. It took 21 days for it to be answered. And that's because God was fighting against uh, of the, those who are coming against that prayer being answered. But that's, again, the faithfulness of God yes. that he does that. Yes. He is a miraculous God. Yes. 
and miracles. One time, I'm not name dropping, but one time on official <laughs> travel, I was in Israel. I was meeting with the Prime Minister Netanyahu, right. and we were talking foreign policy. And 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 he he didn't just say it to me. He said it to many many people many times. But he said because uh, we were talking about whatever the current conflict was, probably with Iran. <laughs> and he had said to me, "Well, you know," he said, "Michelle, our policy is miracles. That right. is our foreign policy." Right. And I, you know, I kind of laughed. And he said, "No, I'm, I'm absolutely serious. Right. Our foreign policy is miracles." And all you have to do is look yeah. at the rise of the modern state. Right. One thing I've been focused on a lot in the last year plus has been the San Remo Agreement mm-hmm. and how the San Remo Agreement was so miraculous because it was after World War One and the collapse of the Ottoman Empire. And you have the victors, the allied victor nations. And miraculously, God speaks to uh, those in England to, to who put forward the Balfour Agreement to say the Jewish people need Many to be returned to an exact that. land. Yeah, yeah. And then at, at uh, San Remo, that's when each of the allied countries, the victors, mm-hmm. who had the right for the disposition of the land in the Ottoman Empire, right. they said, okay, Mesopotamia, that'll go to the Arabs. Okay, Syria, Lebanon, that'll go to the they Arabs. They divided but, up the Middle East. But Palestine... Yeah. And they chose the exact boundary lines that were in the Bible that God had given to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Those exact boundary lines will be to the Jewish people forever in perpetuity. So God gave the original deed to the Jewish people to the land of Israel. But man, almost 2,000 years later, sovereignly at San Remo said— these people, the Jewish people, will have this land according to the exact boundaries that God gave in the Bible. How would that happen? How would that happen? This was in the natural in 1920, April 24th, April 25th, 1920, it happened. So Israel's right to its land didn't come from the UN November 29th in the late 1940s. It actually came in 1920 the full right to all the land, and it has never been abrogated. In fact, it was completely incorporated into the U.N. document. So both in the Bible and in international law, the Jewish people have every right to the Jewish land. It's what you're saying is just summing up kind of the modern reality of living in the times where you can look at the Bible and see biblical prophecy come to fruition. That's what it is. That's all it is because God promised, don't worry, my people. You're coming back. Don't worry. You will be brought in from all four corners of the earth. Exactly. and I will make and he you... fulfilled his word. Right. Yes, he fulfilled yes. it. He fulfilled it for you, for your family. And I love that the the scripture of Ezekiel and the dry bones, yes. where it says literally, it's the bones, it's the sinews, yes. it's the ligaments. He will put the skin on, and then he'll breathe the breath of life, meaning that he will bring those descendants back yes. to his land. He's a faithful God. Amen. He's done it, and he's doing it. Yes. He's still bringing Aliyah. He's bringing people back to his land. That's where Christians come in, yes. where we can help. Yeah. We can help with our prayers, with our love. We can help with our money. We can help with uh, being influential politically within our church community. There's so much that we can do to, in the ways that God calls us to help assist 
in his will. And that's one thing I love about the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews is that love is the foundation stone of the organization. It is love for the least of those who can't even afford to buy food, who are suffering to an extent that they're cold, they're hungry, they don't have food, they're widows, they're orphans, so they need raiment, they they need clothing, they need food, and they need to have their health taken care of. And this organization does all of that, and it's an opportunity for those of us who believe in this mission. We can come together, and we can donate whatever we have so that we can truly fulfill out that biblical mandate of blessing Israel. And remember, there's another part to verse 12.3 in Genesis, which is, you know, those are cursed who are cursed Israel. So it's important that we don't find ourselves in a place of cursing. We want to be in a place of blessing. Why? Because we'll be blessed. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amazing what you're saying. Everything. I, as you're talking, I'm thinking of different Bible stories, and I'm thinking of different prophecies, and then I'm saying, wow, I'm sitting here in America from Israel with Dean Bachman, who has not only studied the word, studied policy, but taken such action to be an unapologetic, proud and passionate advocate for Israel and the values of Christians around the world. And it's something that I know you've met with many leaders who you can't even say on, uh, (laughs) on recording here. But you do this both as a citizen, not only in your official position, but from a place of faith, you knew that you were put in that official position in order to further this relationship with Israel and the Jewish Mm -hmm. people. And what I see is how through the fellowship, like you were saying, through the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, I see in Israel almost every day a new Aliyah flight full of Jews coming from the former Soviet Union, coming from France, coming from the Arab world, Mm -hmm. that we work with the government to get Jews out of the Arab Mm -hmm. world where there's anti-Semitism and persecution that I'm not even allowed to say the countries where we bring them from. But it's almost every day that that they're landing in Israel and they're kissing the ground from Ethiopia, the lost tribe of Dan. Like the fact that we've studied the scripture for so long, for 2,000 years, I think of my grandfather who was born in Germany, escaped Mm -hmm. the Holocaust, all of his family was killed. And I think of him reading the words of the prophets, one day the Jewish people will come home and all the nations, all the nations of the world will be praising one God, together will be praising praising one God, because my house is a house of prayer for all the nations. And I imagine him there looking at the scriptures and looking at reality on the ground saying, this will never happen. How could this happen? And that's what's amazing is how we've never lost that hope. That faith, that God's word is forever. And today we're seeing the outcome of those blessings. We're seeing how Mm -hmm. not only have we been reunited with our homeland after 2,000 years despite all odds, but that as Christians who are standing with Israel as Israel's greatest friends, strategic partners, a voice of real just simple faith based in brotherhood, in something that in this world that makes no sense, finally makes sense. Yes. That Christians and Jews are standing together to open up the scriptures and say, we knew it. We knew this day would come when the Jewish people are coming home. And to see the faces, Dean Bachman, of these Jewish people who escape persecution in the Arab world or across the former Soviet Union and to land in Israel. And I say, 
Do you know that it's Christians who brought you home? Mm -hmm. Do you know it's Christians who believe in the word of God and believe that you belong in Israel, that they took from the little they have to make your aliyah possible? They just break out in tears Mm -hmm. because they say, Yael, we're not alone. Mm -hmm. The whole world doesn't hate the Jewish people. As far as I know, the anti-Semitism is rising and the Mm -hmm. UN is against Israel and the Arab Union's against Israel and we're being prosecuted for crimes that we didn't commit. And they look at me and they say, from what I see, everyone hates Israel. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I'm able to stand there and say, I represent millions of Christians Mm -hmm. that don't not only hate you, they love you, and they're doing everything to bless you, wow, that is the most powerful message of the times we're living in yes. that I could imagine. You're right. It is it is very unique, but it's because both Christians and Jews um, love God and yes. love his word yes. and are working for his ends as opposed to working for our ends. That's the whole difference yes. right there. And I am so thankful for that because— a lot of times when I'm speaking to audiences, I'll, I'll say to them, do you realize? So here you have thousands of years of history of the Bible. You've got 6,000 years or however of history of the Bible. Right. And you have all the predictions. Right. Israel was told if you're faithless, you know, you will be scattered. It did happen. But God says, I'll bring you back. The same with building the temple and rebuilding the temple. But he says, ultimately, I'll bring you back. After the second temple was destroyed right. by the Romans in AD 70, he says, I will bring you back. What is remarkable is that in my lifetime, in my lifetime, I'm 65, so I wasn't born in 48. Yeah, right. But but in my mother's lifetime, we saw the modern Jewish state created in a day, right. created in a day, just exactly as Scripture for, yes. foretold. That Scripture was fulfilled in my mother's lifetime. In my lifetime, Jerusalem came back into Jewish mm-hmm. hands. In my lifetime, yes. prophecy was fulfilled. Yes. So this isn't some far-off book that's right. completely irrelevant. Right. This is the most relevant book there is yes. because every day there's more archaeological discoveries right. that confirm the Word of God. Right. That's why we should be filled with such utter joy to, to, and praise God that we live exactly now. Yeah. Right now, yes. in this time. Yes. That's one reason why, Yale, I'm really excited that I get to be dean at Regent. Yes. Because as you know, um, Pat Robertson, who started Regent University, was a very early supporter of your father and yes. the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. This has a very long-standing relationship at yeah. Regent with loving Israel and loving the Jewish before people. Before it was accepted. Oh, before <laughs> it was accepted. And to this day, yeah. even with the oh, rise Gordon of anti-Semitism. Oh, and Gordon. Continuing Robertson, on that exactly. legacy. And that's how you know something's real. Because yes. the children are the best readers of what is real in the teachings of their parents yes. or what they're just saying is lip service. And so when I see Gordon and his yes. passion for Israel, his passion for prophecy, his passion for continuing to educate the next generation on values, on faith, on standing strong with what they believe is right and not falling into these modern days where everything goes back. You were talking about Genesis of tohu vavohu, it says in Genesis, Mm -hmm. that God created the heavens and the Mm -hmm. earth and the earth was, how do you 
how do you formless and void? Formless and void. Dovavo. Yes. Yeah. And it's basically all of the matter that was created in this world was created, but nothing was put in its place. Mm-hmm. And then the next days of creation was saying, okay, you belong there, you belong there, you belong there. And I look at the youth today and I look and I think back that it's Tovavo for formless and void. They have all these concepts, all these sometimes radical ideas for the world. And sometimes I say, you just need help putting it in place. And that's what God's going to do. You have so much love in your heart, but love for everyone. If you love your enemy, you're not doing anybody a favor. Let's help you put that love where it belongs. Well, that's right. You have hatred in your heart. Okay, let's help you where God doesn't say you shouldn't have hate. Ove Hashem sinura, lovers of God, despise evil. God says there is a place for hatred. And so I look at the next generation that has all these different, in many ways, biblical characteristics. They want to love. They want to change the world. They want and but it's tovavo. It's formless and uh, how do you say it in English? Void. Formless and void. And I look at it as our job and something that Regent University is doing such a great job, helping them put all those pieces into place, like the story of creation. Well, it's true. And I think... It's been, especially in the last 12 to 18 months, there's been a real shift on college campuses toward anti-Semitism, I'm sorry to report, even on some Christian campuses. And I want to appeal to Christian campuses, again, to not follow the cultural trend where the culture is going. Follow the biblical trend. You can never go wrong. And uh, it isn't that Regent University is perfect, but Regent University believes that the word of God is true, and we follow the word of God. That's why we're pro-Israel. That's because we're pro-biblical. We believe in the Bible, so we stand for the Jewish people. We stand for Israel. That hasn't deviated. That hasn't changed. So you and I talked about I'm in the process of putting together a seminar and a conference, kind of a one-on-one, a boot camp again, to explain to the next generation why Israel is important, what the importance is, what the benefits are of having a strong Israel, strong Jewish people. Where are we at in God's prophecy? It's right now is the most exciting time to be alive. There has never been a more exciting time to be alive and a part of the work that God is doing. It's absolutely thrilling. So I'm grateful for that. That's why I think when you talk about a young generation that is going down the path of going toward that which is formless and void, you know, that's a sad, that's a sad path to go down. You don't have to because the truth is right in front of our eyes and it's it has a lifetime of joy and yeah. a lifetime of reward. Yeah. And so I think I just want to invite young people, yes. l- look look at the Bible. Yeah. Look at what the Bible says. You will never go wrong. You will never lack for joy if you go down that path. Right. Again, I was a young girl who really had nothing. I didn't have much family. I didn't have money. I didn't have a lot of prospects. God took my limp little life and breathed his breath on my life. Wow. And he has resurfaced my life yeah. with his redemptive quality. And the Bible is also clear. It says God is not partial. Yeah. What he does for one, he'll do for all. When we turn to him, he has a plan written for each person that is so unique, right. that is so far beyond what that person could ever hope to we think. We just have to open up our hearts to it. When we trust it. him, yes. just like Abram did. Yes. Abram said, yes, 
God. Right. He he couldn't see. Right. He didn't know where he was going to go. Right. He didn't know exactly right. what the future held. Lech lecha he, lecha he believed God. Lecha, leave your land, your leave homeland, your, land, your, your father's home, land. Your, your father, your right, relatives, right, everything. Right. And go where I tell you. Yeah. And he did. Right. That's why the, the person I think that I admire most, would never hope to be, but the person I admire most yeah. is Abram. Wow. More than anyone else. Wow. And I'm so impressed by Abraham mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of you don't see a moments of deviation yeah. with him. Yeah. When he was negotiating with God regarding his nephew Lot, yeah. who was a righteous man. I never right. liked Lot, but the Bible <laughs> says he was a righteous man. And God was helping negotiate. Would you save the city? Would right. you save the, the city kindness. if there yeah. are even ten, you know, ten righteous? righteous? And you look at Abram, his heart is always yeah. for the things of God and always for how he can follow. Right. To me, it, Abraham's example is breathtaking of right. faith. Right. He really was the man of faith. And for each one of us on this earth, as long as we breathe and we give our mind over to the things of God, right. when we have faith, we can trust, like you had mentioned the Hebrew phrase, I, I don't know what it is, that we trust God in all those things, right. that he uses it for good. Yeah. For Christians in the New Testament, Ro- Romans 8.28 says, um, what what man intended for evil, right. God uses for good. Right. That is absolutely the it's truth. It's like Bilam and Balak. You open your mouth in yes. order to curse, and yes. it comes out as blessings. Yes. Yeah. He God does that. plans. So. I'm thrilled and I'm excited and uh, to see because I, I have proof, you know, since I was 16, right. I have proof in my own life yeah. of the faithfulness of the hand of God. Did I get everything I wanted? No. Who cares? Right. What I got was worth so much more. It was so much more valuable because the Proverbs is true. Seek after wisdom mm-hmm. and understanding. It is more precious than silver and gold. And so if you seek after his, and where is wisdom? The fear of the Lord. Mm. That's what wisdom is. Mm. So, it, and what fear means is not I'm frightened, it's right. reverence. Right. So if you have reverence for the things of God and you ask for his wisdom and you ask for his understanding, that's everything is open to you. The whole Absolutely. world is The accessible. whole world is open to you. Because remember, like we said earlier in our podcast, he pursues us with unfailing yes. love. He wants our cup to be overflowing with yes. goodness. That's what he, that's his plan for right. us. Right. Why wouldn't you trust right. in a loving, holy God? And especially when you see Israel and when you see the revival of the modern Jewish state in 1948, probably the greatest evidence of prophecy ever in our lifetime is the recreation of the modern Jewish state in our lifetime and Jerusalem coming into the hands of the Jewish people. Thousands of years this was prophesied. For thousands of years this was promised. Over and over, not just once in the Bible, over and over. And we've lived to see it in our lifetime. There Unreal. is no greater proof. Unreal. And we were told throughout exile, If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, forget my right hand. Yes. And that's what you were talking about before yes. with God's right hand. And yes. It all comes together. And you yes. have to believe that there's a 
wisdom greater than the ours. There's a plan bigger than ours. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Yes. God has his perfect timing, his mm-hmm. perfect way. Amen. He's still a miracle-working God. He still <gasps> has his strong Amen. right arm. He is the defender and the shield and buckler of Israel Amen. and the Jewish people. That's amazing, Dean Bachman. And it goes so much. It's so it's so uh, exact, really, of what the International Fellowship of Christians does, because we also we are not political. We are apolitical, which mm-hmm. means we work with any government that's democratically elected, that's right. both in America and in Israel, in order to further our mission. Yes. And our mission is exactly from Scripture, and it's to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to shelter the poor. Nachamu, nachamu, ami, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, right? No, and exactly the way with right. the orphans and the widows, widows and, and to bring the Jewish people home to Israel. And that's so right. when I hear you speak about what's happening on a national scale, and I think— Man, this woman is an Esther brought for such a time as this. And God as is you leading are, here. As you are. <laughs> I'm as listening you are. to you, and we cannot all be Esthers like you. And we can't all be the head of an organization yeah. like I am. And what the fellowship does is enables individuals right. to read scriptures and say, oh, bring the Jewish people home. I want to do that. Okay, through the fellowship, bringing a Jewish person home. Yeah. Help the Holocaust survivors, help the orphans of Israel. I want to bring them food when they have no one else. Okay, through the fellowship to go and do that. So when I hear of so many of my Christian friends around the world who are praying for the peace of Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. and then they donate a bomb shelter, or they're praying for the orphans and widows in the former Soviet Union in the freezing winters who don't have heat, and then they donate heat. Suddenly, I see this all coming together, that God has given us this amazing opportunity to not only pray with our mouths, but to pray with our feet, to pray with our actions. And you know, it's interesting, um, with all of our kids, that's the one thing that I always said to them is, number one, never despise small beginnings. Mm, That's how it starts. Yes, But make sure each one of us is a cog in the wheel. Each one of us is. So God gives you a role you fulfill it to the best of your ability. That's yeah. all you have to do. Right. You don't have to do any more than that. Right. Fulfill it to the best of your ability, and then God does the rest, and you can't believe what he does. It's like Amen. who would your dad never would have thought that the organization would achieve the heights right. that it has, that it's fed this many people, right. saved lives, what it's done. Yes. But your dad didn't do it alone. Right. He couldn't have. Right. He had to do it with other people, supporters. Now you and yes. your board and your organization is doing the same thing. But look at it. Now you have decades. You have decades of a track record, and this is an opportunity where people can sow their money, and it may not seem like a lot to them, but it is. Yes. Because it is literally taken from your wallet, and it is feeding a person. It is clothing a person. It's providing health care for a person. Yes. And that person is a person who is described in the Bible as in— a worthy of our assistance, whether it's a widow, whether it's an orphan, whether it's a Holocaust survivor, whether it's the aged who can't mm-hmm. feed themselves, you figured it out. And you had shared with me that you even have others contact you and give money into your organization because they've seen your track record. Right. And they know that you can deliver to people. So now you've been seen, you've been elevated as so trustworthy, they give you the money because you know how to do it. So that spoke highly to me in terms of credibility of the organization, because people wonder, you know, is this a nonprofit I can trust? Are they going to use the money where it should be used? And I'm really impressed 
with how the organization has done that because it's fulfilling the biblical mandate, but it's also doing it in a way that is trustworthy and it is bringing blessing to the individuals, but it's also bringing blessing in the way that it's honoring God. Amen. Thank you so much, Dean Bachman. It yeah. definitely is a huge responsibility. When a when a food box is $25, you really have an appreciation for every single dollar that comes yeah. in because if you're able to save $1 here and $1 there and right. $1 there, you have a food box. Um, so I want to end with two final questions, even though I could sit with you for the next <laughs> Week straight, soaking up your knowledge. Um, first question of the last two. What is your prayer for Israel? Oh. You're a prayer warrior. So this was an intentional question. <laughs> My prayer for Israel is this. Oh, Father, I pray for, for the land of Israel and for the Jewish people that your will would be fulfilled in our day. I ask, Lord, that you would make it so on earth as it is in heaven. We want your will. And so we pray for your protection and your hand of blessing. And I pray, Father, that all that you have and all that you have desired for the Jewish people would come forth into fruition. I thank you that you've allowed us to see your word fulfilled in our lifetimes. And I pray for your peace, your strength, your safety. And I ask that you would breathe the breath of life upon your people, return them safely to your land, and have your way, because every nation on earth will be blessed through the Jewish people and their connection to the land. Amen. Mm. Amen. Wow. Every time, every time you pray, it's like it's tangible, <laughs> the feeling of God in the room. Thank you so much. Um, okay, last and final question. Who is the Bible uh, character that you most identify with and find inspiration from? Well, I I don't identify with any because they are they are. This is not false humility. They are literally uh, all so great. But I think what I'd mentioned earlier again is Abram. Hmm. Abram is the most powerful example. I'm a woman. He's a man. But before before God, we are equal. Amen. As a woman, I'm equal to a man before God's eyes. And what what Abram represented, he was he was literally a pagan. He was right. a godless pagan. His father made and sold idols. That's right. So he worship, he was a worshiper of idols. But what he encountered was the living God, and he never looked back. So it doesn't matter what our background is. I come from a less than idyllic background. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what your background is. He takes each one of us. We're all a lump of clay. Mm -hmm. We're all dust. Formed in his image. That's formed in his image. We're made in his image and likeness. So on one hand, we look at ourselves and say, eh, you're not so much. I'm not valuable. Well, that's true in one hand. But on the other hand, we're the most valuable thing that there is in the universe because we are made in the image and likeness of a holy God. So for when we give ourselves fully to the things of God, like Father Abraham mm-hmm. did, mm-hmm. then you see literally a nation birthed and a world redeemed and prophecy fulfilled. So I stand in awe and amazement for what God did through the life of Abraham. He was only a man. He wasn't a myth and he wasn't a spirit. He was a man, but he was fully surrendered to the things of God. Oh, that I could be like Abraham. Oh, that all of us listening could be like Abraham. Amen. There is nothing more 
to say. Amen. Thank you, Dean Bachman, Amen. so much. Thank you, Gail. All my love. Thank you for listening to the Conversations with Yael podcast. If you like what you have heard, please check out my weekly podcast, Nourish Your Biblical Roots, that explores the Jewish roots of the Christian faith with inspirational and ancient teachings. You can also visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. Follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next month.